Welcome to the Parental Development Podcast. I'm Leah. And I'm Becca. And we're two sisters, one with kids. And one without. One with questions. And one with answers. One who's a licensed psychologist. And one who just wants everyone to hear what she has to say. We both have a heart to see parents succeed and kids thrive. In this podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of topics, all with the goal of promoting conversation and learning. Thanks for joining us. Let's chat. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Parental Development. We're glad you're here. And I think we've decided (laughs) we're very nervous (laughs) because we're going to do... Like our own therapy work on the podcast, and uh, I'm terrified, if I'm being real honest. I'm a little nauseous myself. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, We don't really even know where to start, but we're going to start, and Ben can just make it sound (laughs) good. (laughs) What do we want to say about this, Becca? I don't know. I think where I would like to start is that... I generally wholeheartedly believe that I am only going to speak for myself, that I had a good childhood. Yes. That I was loved. Yes. And believe everybody involved in my child rearing did the absolute best they could and believed they were doing all the right things and never had any ill intentions for anything. And how they knew how to do it. I'll tag that on too. Right. Yes. Right. Because I think at least one of our fears is that this is somehow meant to imply that like our childhood was terrible or parents did everything wrong or whatever. And again, that's just a lot of judgment yeah. on it. And I certainly don't feel that way. Beck, I know you don't feel that way based on like just the other yeah. conversations that we've had. Right. So I think it's important to say it out loud. <laughs> if nothing else, just to make us feel better. Because right. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. This is very uncomfortable. And some people might be thinking, like, this doesn't really have a place in a parenting podcast. But I disagree. Because mm-hmm. this is the work. This is what we talk about when we say, like, I'm responsible for myself. And I have to know what triggers me and how I respond to my kids is influenced by my own history and that kind of thing. So, I mean, we're certainly not doing this for any personal gain because <laughs> this is very vulnerable and yes. uncomfortable. But my hope is that it's just some insight into like how this kind of thing can happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know how parents can do it or what it could look like or what the benefits of it might be. I don't know. Because there's really no other benefit to us because this is terrible. Yeah. I'm about to throw up myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's just do the damn thing, I guess. I guess so. You're the therapist. I'll just lay down on my my virtual couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. If you could just share your stuff and none of mine. Right, right. That's much more comfortable for me. I'm... That's my happy place. I take it I back. I do that I all day long. I it back. <laughs> I can do that all day long. So one of the things we've talked about before is that, again, we talked about like how our childhood was like, you know, pretty good. Yeah. And how we don't have what I call like big T traumas for us personally throughout our childhood. And yet we have some damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and some 
hard areas that we are trying to work through and just a how different that must be for people who do have big T traumas Mm -hmm. and how much harder that would be and how subtle it can be done in childhood Mm -hmm. that really create these lasting messages and thoughts and beliefs and images about ourselves and all those things. And just how, I guess, how important that is to understand Mm -hmm. as a parent and just as a human that we're all dealing with that kind of stuff. And as a parent, how powerful even just the real subtle messages are that we're sending our kids, which is what we talk about a lot. Yeah, I think you said it. It's subtle Neither one of us experienced those big T traumas and the messages that we did get growing up. I think we're very well-intentioned, I think, and very subtle and in a lot of ways unspoken. But speaking for me personally, have presented themselves in oftentimes crippling emotional stuff. Yeah. I think probably one of the most basic, that might be the easiest, safest Let's place start for there. us to start. <laughs> And we've talked to enough of our siblings that I think we all kind of heard this one was that real like emotions really were not expressed and we're not like overtly shut down necessarily like that was not verbal, Mm -hmm. right? That was not a like, we don't do that, whatever. It wasn't shut down like overtly, but it was a, it was a, I think fairly clear message of just like it's uncomfortable and it was not. It certainly was not welcomed or validated or accepted Mm -hmm. the belief that any emotion was okay. Yeah, I agree with that. There were certainly emotions that were more okay than others. And again, never the message of don't express that, don't do that. Some of it was wrapped up in religious stuff, right? Of like, Mm -hmm. Jesus makes us happy or, Mm -hmm. you know... Certainly, the some of the behaviors associated with anger would have been viewed as wrong mm-hmm. or sinful, if we can say that. Well, yeah, and especially, too, as a kid, the conversations that we've had now over these past several weeks, knowing that the way that children exhibit those, those emotions because they don't know how to exhibit them other ways, those behaviors, whether it's a tantrum, whether it's, I'm using air quotes, backtalk, or those kind of things were obviously shut down because that behavior was not acceptable for whatever right. reason, What whether that was, I'm not, I don't even want to posit how that, why that was. So the only way we knew how to express those quote unquote negative emotions as children were those, I guess, again, quote unquote negative behaviors, which were not okay. Yeah. And so then what the majority of us learned to do is to push those real far down. Stuff them. Those are real, real buttoned up mm-hmm. until they're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and then they sometimes come out in an explosion, mm-hmm. which I think, thinking back, was evidenced in our household. Not like an aggressive, violent explosion, but like mm-hmm. a, there was, it would simmer for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, there would be an emotional explosion. Mm-hmm. And then we would go back to, don't talk about them, <laughs> buttoning them up. Don't talk about what just happened either. <laughs> right. And so 
what that looks like, again, I'll just talk for myself. I have a really hard time just saying like what I feel just out. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, being a therapist requires you to do your own work as you're learning what you're doing Mm because all your stuff gets triggered in the room when you're a therapist. And so I'm much better at that now than I was, but learning how to communicate all of that in a healthy kind of way is something I still struggle with. My MO is still to shut down Mm -hmm. if I'm in an uncomfortable situation, whether that's at work or with my husband or with my kids. I just want it to go away. Mm -hmm. I just want it to stop. And if that means I silence myself or minimize my reactions or my feelings for the betterment of other people, that's totally fine with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't need to be heard Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Well, that's what we tell ourselves, right? So we don't need to be heard. We really do, but that's deep down, that's a message that we got. And we've talked about that a little bit in the past couple episodes that my feelings, my emotions are trumped and superseded by everyone else's. Yeah. My MO is still to this day, same as yours. And this is hard for people to understand. And it's hard for us sometimes to like, I don't know, understand everyone's stuff, right? Because we all have our own. So what's what's something that's difficult for someone else is easy for me, vice versa, right? But for me, and this sounds crazy when I say this out loud, I physically have to force myself to verbalize how I feel. And that I've had that happen in in relationships with my friends where they've asked me how what's wrong with you or why are you acting that way? And if I'm able to stay in the room, sometimes I just run because I don't want I I don't want it I I want it to go away and I feel like by, by running it goes away, which right that makes sense. But if I'm able to stay I physically cannot get the words out of my mouth. I don't know how else to explain it. There's something in me that grabs it (laughs) on the way out and pulls it down and says, nope, not coming. No, no, don't do that. And so, I mean, obviously we can see how that can cause issues in relationships. Right. I don't even let them come out in anger. I physically can't get them to come out of my mouth. I think it's so interesting because, again, we talk a lot about, obviously, Mm -hmm. we grew up in the same household. We have a lot of the same genes, Mm -hmm. all the stuff. It's interesting, like, how, you know, we've talked about, like, we got a lot of the same messages. Mm -hmm. And what seems like, based on, like, our personalities, our temperaments, our other experiences, it has manifested a little bit differently for Mm -hmm. each of us. Mm -hmm. And I think if we talk to all of our siblings, I mean, there's seven of us, so we would have a pretty good data set. (laughs) It's going to manifest in different ways Mm -hmm. for all of us, but the messaging was the same Mm -hmm. and how, you know, just how different that can be for different kids based on their own experiences and personalities and temperaments and all those things. It's very interesting because, yeah, it just looks different for the two of us, Mm -hmm. even though it's real clear that the messages were the same. Mm -hmm. You just, you stuff it. It doesn't come out. If it does... And again, we were not like abused if we were angry or anything like that. We definitely were corrected, I think, a lot. If Mm -hmm. anger was like the biggest one, we we really weren't allowed to show much anger Mm -hmm. because that was viewed as disrespectful or inappropriate or talk, like you said, talking back or whatever. 
mm-hmm. or other label, I'm sure that put on it. And so there's nowhere for it to go. There's right. nowhere for it to go other than down mm-hmm. and avoidant. And you avoid those for so long and then there's nothing to do with them because they don't go away. So then what does that look like for you? Because they ca- they have to come out. Even growing up, like we, you said, like there wasn't a lot of emotional emotions displayed, but they're there yeah. because we're human people. And so there would be stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, boom. Then after the boom, we still don't talk about the boom. The boom happened and now we stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. So what does that look like for you? Because if you stuff those down, how does that come out? How does that resolve for you? For mine, I think mine comes out mostly through like sadness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I want to say stress, but that's not a very good word. That's not a very, there's yeah. not a lot of definition around that word, but I cry. Same. I just cry. Same. Same. And so I can always tell when it's coming and I will text a friend and say like, well, I cried at a commercial or <laughs> I cried at a Real Housewives reality TV show. <laughs> Pretty sure uh, I'm not well. Um so that that's cool. That's generally how mine it builds and builds and builds, mm-hmm. and I get like quieter, 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 mm-hmm. sadder, 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 but not sad. I mean, not yeah, overt sadness. But and then I usually cry mm-hmm. if it's something real significant. Then a lot of times I am now able to have conversations about it. Not great, and I cry, and I want it to end very quickly because mm-hmm. it's so uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. I can do it now. It's still not real pretty. (laughs) And then where I also struggle is knowing how to resolve it, Mm -hmm. which again, when we talk about like as parents, the importance of letting those emotions out to teach kids that you can survive them and how you wrap Mm -hmm. them up and resolve them and repair, that I still really struggle with Mm -hmm. of how do I resolve this if you've done something that makes me sad or hurts my feelings, or I want to talk about these big conversations that make me nervous. How do I get to a point where that is resolved? I still am not great at that part. Mm -hmm. And again, we were not taught how to do that. I feel very, that's very clear to me. Mm -hmm. Like we were never taught how to do that. Mm -hmm. Whether that was conflict with each other or just our big emotions. And then what do you do with those afterwards? Like, how do you survive those? And, you know, let them come and go. We didn't get any of that. And mm-hmm. so I I still have to work really hard. And honestly, often they're left unresolved mm-hmm. because I am not sure what to do with them. Yeah. No, I'm – I. <laughs> oh, we didn't know how far this was going to go. We're just damaged people. That's the, <laughs> We're just – we are. And every, we can. I mean, if everybody's honest, everybody has their own stuff. I would say that mine is the same. Like I cry. I hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. And then I cry. I will typically cry in the shower. <laughs> as as we all do. Right. And then you're further along than I am because I still can't revisit that to talk through it. That's still very, very, very hard for me. And consequently then... I'm left with a lot of hanging, hanging, hanging chads, hanging chads. (laughs) I was trying to think of the word in that you just don't get resolution on a lot of things. And I would say, I guess I would say I want resolution, but then part of me doesn't because that would require some really uncomfortable conversations that I clearly am not emotionally 
prepared to have, right? Well, I mean, you feel like you're not emotionally prepared to have. I don't want to have them. Well, that doesn't mean you're not prepared. Right. You know, <laughs> it just means, you know, it's scary. Well, it's true. And I I was listening to an audiobook. I can't remember which Brene Brown book it was. Probably the vulnerability one, which, gosh, if you haven't read that one, geez. But there was a quote in that book that I heard it, and then I, I kept rewinding the book to listen to it over and over and over again. And the quote was, I would rather live disappointed than actually be disappointed. Mm -hmm. So I remember reading that quote or hearing that quote and felt like that resonated so deeply with me because, and I don't know if that's what it is, and this might be me, this may not resonate with you at all, but in those conversations that I don't want to have, whether that's telling you that you hurt my feelings or telling you what I want or what I need, there's this deep fear in me that I will tell you that and it won't matter. Mm -hmm. And so then, then I feel stupid because I got the balls to say how I felt what I need and what I wanted and it didn't matter. So I should have just kept it to myself anyway, which I realize and I'm not as far along in my work as you are, but I realize by do that's very unfair to people especially people that care about me by just assuming their response before they, I even give them the opportunity to respond. But that is the fear that I tell you what I need, how I feel or whatever, and it doesn't matter. So to me in my, in my, the story I tell myself is I would rather just keep that to myself and, and stay in a perpetual state of not getting what I want than actually verbalize it out loud and let someone else know it and them disappoint me. I'll just stay, dis I'll just live disappointed. Yeah. It's, it's doing it on your terms, right? right. Then at least it's, yeah, I have control over that. Uh huh. It's, that's a, that's a normal trauma response, right? Of, mm -hmm. Or attachment we talked about, like I'll leave you before mm -hmm. you can leave me. At least then it's on my terms. I think it's so important because we're a parenting podcast. <laughs> That parents understand how this is working, how mm -hmm. this is happening. And so I believe deep down that you feel that way. And I feel that way some because that's how we were responded to mm -hmm. or not. It's an invalidation mm -hmm. of emotions. And as a child, that makes us think there must be something wrong with me or they don't care about me. Or again, I think what we tell ourselves about that as kids is different based on mm -hmm. a lot of different things, but how that sticks with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are in our forties mm -hmm. and we are still trying to undo these things that happened mm -hmm. when we were five, seven and 10 years old. I mean, like it's mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. And then I think it's so important as a parent to understand how this is going to show up in my parenting. Mm -hmm. Even Becky, you don't have your own kids, but you help quote unquote parent. Mm hmm several different kids, that that is going to impact how you do that even with children. Mm -hmm. So anger, disrespect, backtalk was the thing in our house that really was like hard line, mm -hmm. not allowed. And I, I've been doing this kind of parenting for a long time, almost, almost since I've had kids. And I can still feel myself when Lincoln or Sawyer come at me in with a disrespectful tone. 
I can feel myself and in my head, I say, do not speak to me that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You do not tell me no. You do not get to talk to me that way. Because that those are the very clear messages mm-hmm. we got that that authority is well-defined. Mm-hmm. I can feel myself rise up in those moments with my kids of, I'm going to squash this out of you. Mm-hmm. You will not talk to me that way. That is my own junk mm-hmm. from my childhood coming up with my kids. And that doesn't mean that that is right. Mm-hmm. And so that response, I mean, if that's what you want to do, good on you. You're probably not still listening to this podcast if that's <laughs> where you're at. But if you want to do something different, you have to recognize that mm-hmm. and know like, oh, and it still happens to me. It still happens to me regularly. I have those reactions. I'm to the point now where I don't say them early on. I would say that to them and then have to kind of backtrack a little bit. But there has to be some awareness of like, man, that is my junk coming up. Mm -hmm. Is that really what I want? Is that really what I believe? Is that really how I want to parent? How am I going to address this with my own kids? And going on from there. Same thing if you can't talk about emotions. And now all of a sudden, we're trying to get our kids to tell us (laughs) how they feel about things and make their emotions okay. Forget it. Forget it. It's just as uncomfortable to talk about emotions with my child as it is my husband. Mm -hmm. It's still uncomfortable. And I still might not be very good at it. And again, we're not doing just this just to air our dirty laundry Mm. for whoever to hear. (laughs) Because it still is making me sweat. (laughs) But it's to talk about, like, again, the importance that these messages have for children and how this shows up in our parenting day in and day out, that all of this junk is influencing us all day, every day, whether that's at work or in your relationships or parenting. Mm -hmm. And it's all junk that has to be like pulled out into the light and looked at as far as like, what do I want to keep of this? And what do I need to get rid of and work through and figure out so that I don't repeat that in my own kids? Yeah. If we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times, like that's the work, right? Is being able to take inventory and take stock of my own responses, my own triggers, my own history and experience, take stock of all of that to be able to then parse through those, yep, I'm okay with that thing. This, I don't like the way that this makes me feel when I have this interaction with my kids. So what part do I play in that? And how is some of my own stuff impacting that? Right? Right. That's the work. And again, I feel like if you are still listening to this podcast, then there is maybe somewhat, I would hope, somewhat of a desire to do that. Because you want, if you're listening to this podcast, I think that you would, you you would want to improve your relationship with your kids. And so if that's your goal, then figuring out how do I do that? How do I take stock of my own stuff and do my own work in the moment, in the heat of the moment, and when everything's gravy, right? It's easy just to, I mean, I think that's true just in life in general. When everything's easy, we feel like there's no work to be done. The hard things, that's where the growth happens. And so 
learning how to do that in the hard things and the seemingly easy times, air quotes on that too. Yeah, because I can tell you from like a, if I go back into my therapist brain, you have to learn and practice in the easy times. Mm -hmm. Because again, what we know about our brains, right? We're not, anytime we feel uncertain, our brain is designed to go into structure and control Mm -hmm. to keep us safe and to like keep us, keep our head down. And so you cannot wait until the big moments to start to do some of this stuff. You cannot possibly have the brain power and the resources on board to do that. It has to happen when things are calm and quiet and good. Right. And that's when you start to think like, huh, you know, what is this feeling I'm having? Or why did that interaction go so poorly? Or why is bedtime so terrible for me? Or why does this statement make me so mad? Or, you know, all Mm -hmm. of the, the different questions that we've talked through over however many episodes now, it has to be done in the quiet. Mm-hmm. Not It cannot be done in the chaos. Like mm-hmm. you, you cannot get there. And I work with a lot of families that there is no calm. There is no quiet. It's mm-hmm. all chaos, which is why that's super hard to make changes during that time because nobody has any bandwidth to do anything right. differently. So finding finding those moments, those those quiet times to then start to do some of that reflection and introspection on like, what do I want this to be like? How do I want to do this differently? And I just want to say it again. It doesn't have to mean everything that about your childhood was terrible. Both things can be true. Right. I can think I had a good childhood and want to do some things differently. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's a both and kind of thing. And so it's scary and intimidating to think that because, you know, we're just so trained to think kind of like black and white in these false dichotomies. But both things can be true at the same time. And we can just want to do a little bit better for our own kids and our own relationships and and for ourselves. I mean, you have to heal a little bit of this in order to parent effectively this way, which is just good across the board just for you in life. Mm -hmm. Just as you were thinking through that, or talking through that, and I'm sitting here thinking, the ironic thing is, and we've talked about it, we are both Enneagram 2s, which if you haven't taken that test, go do it, but it's called the helper. Mm-hmm. So we look for ways to serve. I don't know. I've never asked you, but I would go out on a limb and say your love language is acts of service, right? It's actually words of affirmation. Oh, oh. I misspoke. Those make me uncomfortable, so I don't want those. Um, (laughs) So we both struggle with um, verbalizing our own emotions, right? But I think we are both empaths. Yes. You, obviously, because you're a therapist, and so you make a living out of hearing other people's emotions and feelings, right? And as a two, as an Enneagram two, for some reason, and I don't know, like, I can walk in a room and I can pick up on everybody's energy in that room. And if somebody else is like uncomfortable or there's some something there, I can pick up on that and I will seek that out to try and help them emotionally, which is so crazy because then when it comes to my own stuff, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's why we do it. I think that's why I'm a therapist, because I can talk about everybody else's. No, I'm not allowed to talk about mine. That's so true. In therapy, right? Like, I cannot bring mine. 
I mean, I wouldn't be a very good therapist. I cannot bring mine into the room. Right. I mean, I am because I'm a person, but like, I don't talk, I I don't talk about myself in therapy. So I firmly believe that's why I'm in the profession I am because I get to hear about everybody else's, Uh which fuels me and I like, but by definition, I cannot reciprocate that with you, which is super comfortable for me. A hundred percent. So I can do it all. And then there's a boundary that like, "Mm, sorry, it's my profession. (laughs) I can't tell you about that. And I think that's why. And same for you. You would seek it out from other people because it keeps me from having to talk about mine. Oh, yeah. Like I love to be and have always been the person that people call when they need advice. Like even if I don't, I have no idea. I've never been. But for some reason, people want to talk to me about it. And I am all I'm here for it all day, every day, because I mean, and on some level, I guess it's cathartic because in a sick, twisted way, I guess it's sort of like you're talking about your own stuff, but you're not really. Well, it, I think it's like fueling that emotional. Meeting that need. And that connection, which we're all driven for of connecting, but I can connect through, through your stuff, stuff. <laughs> not mine. Because don't you, I mean, I do this. If people will come, I can be having, I can be going through it. Lots and lots mm-hmm. of stuff. And my best friends can come and say like, how are you? You okay? I'm good. And I'll say like, I'm fine. What's going on with X, Y, yes. or Z? Because it's mm-hmm. like, let's take a left turn here because nope, you're getting too close. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's to avoid, <laughs> it's to like, it's to avoid all my, all my stuff. Yeah. But you can still get the connection with other people. We're so unhealthy. But it's not super reciprocal. Well, yeah, it's it's totally one-sided. Mm-hmm. Speaking for myself, I feel like I do a good job of making everybody else feel like it is two-sided when yeah. in reality, it's not because I, if you really want to know how I feel, it's going to take some work. Which isn't that what we think makes good relationships, right? I'm going to make you yes. work for it. And if yeah. you care enough about me, you're going to work hard. If yeah. you care enough, you'll work for it. And then what I tell myself when they don't is they don't care. They don't Mm -hmm. care enough. If they cared enough, they would, I don't know, ask me eight million times as opposed to seven million. But that's, that is what damages the relationships, I think, is it's all like this weird test of you got to prove it. And until you prove it, you're not getting it. Yeah. See, that's, and we've, we've had this conversation offline too. Like, that's yours. That's your thing. Like, you, yeah. Like, you asked me once. I'm not going to tell you. You asked me 87 times. I might tell you. Right. Because your biggest fear is what? Uh, my biggest fear is appearing, what's the word? Like, arrogant or like, mm-hmm. I think too highly of myself. Like, so talking about myself too much feels arrogant to me. Mm -hmm. So when I start talking about my problems, it feels like I'm being like arrogant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or or, or like a burden to people. Right. So I guess I was going to say like, mine is, and it's kind of along the same lines, you're being a burden because you're, my biggest fear is being needy, appearing needy, coming Mm -hmm. off as being needy. Like, I don't want you to feel God, Becca, she's so like, man, Mm -hmm. always something. That's my biggest fear. And so I know that that's why I don't talk about how I'm feeling or what I need or what I want, because I don't want you to feel, I guess, subconsciously, I feel like if you're needy, you're going to check out. Like, I don't want any part of that. Like, nobody likes a codependent friend. Like, 
I mean, I guess it's kind of similar, but again, like you said earlier, the subtext message is the same, right? Yeah. But it works its way out in us differently, which is fascinating as well. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all a big jumbled mess. Yeah. But, you know, I think the best we can do is just name it. I mean, there's stigmas around everything, certainly mental health and certainly mm-hmm. emotional well-being and parenting and everybody's judgy. And it's just such BS that nobody's talking about. And then people wonder why, you know, why they can't have better relationships with their kids or why they can't why they can't figure this way of parenting out or why they can't do X, Y or Z. Not understanding like we're full people mm-hmm. and we're bringing all our stuff to this thing. And this is just another relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you struggle in all your other relationships, your child is no different. Mm-hmm. Children are no different. In many ways, they're harder because they will tell you all about the things you're doing. Um, they have no filter. They also are more vulnerable. And so you have the ability as the grown-up, the bigger person, to run roughshod and not right. do any of that work because I'm in charge and you're not, so shut your pie hole. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. I've oh, had gosh. about all the vulnerability <laughs> I can handle. <laughs> uh, we survived. Yep. Uh, My armpits are sweaty. <laughs> I know. I know. No, this was uncomfortable. Mm. But my only hope could be that there is a benefit of all of this. And this is helpful, at least in like, I guess just demonstrating like how what it sounds like or what it can feel like or look like or Mm -hmm. and you don't have to have a sister you're doing a podcast with, I don't think to have these conversations. But some of this work can be done internally through books or certainly podcasts or all kinds of things, therapy, for sure, Mm -hmm. but not losing sight of the fact that this is this is required Mm -hmm. if you're going to do this and do this a little bit differently, even if your childhood was, quote unquote, good, Mm -hmm. like ours was. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to keep in the forefront of people's minds and letting everybody know that this it's okay to have these kinds of conversations. Yes. And also keep in the forefront of everyone's minds the importance of those subtle messages that unconsciously, unknowingly, sometimes unwillingly that we send to kids that clearly, and this is coming from two people that had a relatively idyllic childhood, Mm -hmm. but those subtle messages that I think were motivated from a good place, came from a good place, Again, we're in our 40s and clearly are still doing our own stuff. Yep. Our childhood is not everyone else's. So everybody's going to have their own stuff. It may not be what sure. we struggle with. But those matter. Those have more power than I, I would want them to have, but they do. And right. so keeping in the forefront of everyone's mind the, the importance of recognizing where you might be sending those uh, messages to your kids and how you cannot do that. And conversely, send the messages that they're not trying to undo when they're 40. Here, here. <laughs> oh, okay. So if you're still listening, and <laughs> thanks for being here for this. Yeah, that'll wrap it up for this week. We appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you next week. 
Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parental Development. If you found this helpful at all, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to stream. And if you have questions that you'd like answered on the show, email info at parentaldevelopment.com. We'd love to hear from you to know that someone else is actually listening. And remember, we're all doing the best we can in this parenting thing. So survive the day and keep the kids alive. See you next time.